0: I was called to start a mission here in 1999. There were seven people at our first worship service. It's good seeing you all here. Those first three years were tough. Tough going, right Ben? Tough, tough going. It was hard to gather people. And... um, And we we struggled at gathering people for a long time. And then the Lord used our soccer camps and some other things to draw people to worship. And then the Lord began bringing us good people who loved him and good people who were growing to love him. And we added a staff minister and ministry began um, growing. And the word was changing lives and building a, a strong spiritual family. We were blessed to be able to worship here at Lisgar School, right in the center of our community. But we also wanted to lay down roots and we wanted to look for the future, so we, we also began looking for land. We looked for a long time, and then the Lord enabled us to acquire 13 acres, and there's no way that should have happened. And even though we weren't able to use that for, to build a church right away, now God has enabled us to use that as a place to conduct our ministry in our community throughout the week and continue worshiping here on Sunday mornings. Today, by God's blessing and by His grace, Cross of Life is 136 souls who love Jesus and are letting His light shine in Mississauga. Now, the reason that we are studying the book of Acts, the reason that we are doing this series on Acts is to remind us how God grows the church. And to make it very clear to us that we should not get comfortable. Okay Let's, let's not press the pause button. let's keep going. because what we have now, what we have now, what, the way that God has blessed us now is just the beginning of something big. We need to see the big picture. And that means that we, as a spiritual family, take ownership of what God is doing here. Being fueled by the gospel of Jesus, we we need to grow in our stewardship of the things that God has given each one of us. And we need to go be his witnesses. If you've ever seen a movie about a, a global epidemic, you know, where, where there is a, some virus that is wiping out the world. There's, there's, there is one scene in every single one of those movies that has a bunch of generals and politicians and scientists in a room with a, with a huge screen in it. And on the screen is like a picture of the globe, and there's one guy with a, rem- with a remote, and he says, here's the virus at 8 hours. Here it is at 16 hours. Here it is at 24 hours. Two days, one week, six weeks, and here we are at 12 weeks, total human extinction. And what you see always are these big, usually they're red, circles that are spreading up and filling the map until, you know, the whole map is now red. And of course there's dramatic music in the background, and then, of course, one guy gets up and he has the solution. That's what we see happening in the book of Acts. But of course, not with a a virus, but with something good. With the greatest thing there ever was. With the gospel. And ground zero is Jerusalem. We see the gospel spreading from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And it has continued to go. And that is why we are here today. Because the gospel is continuing to spread. And Jesus said to his followers, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we know that that has happened. We know that it has happened because you are here today. Because you are here in this room. The fact that we are here today is because Jesus' followers have taken that gospel message to the world. We're here today because Jesus' followers listened to him and they have been spreading the gospel message. And that gospel is unstoppable. In fact, the more that we see people try to stop it, the more, that, the more that people have tried to destroy the church, the more the church has grown and flourished. So we weren't able to put the whole book of Acts out in front of you. If you have a Bible with you today, it might be helpful. But in, in Acts chapter 12, kind of the part we missed, is that uh, Herod decided that he wanted to start persecuting Christians. So he beheads James, the brother of John, one of the disciples. And and when he saw how much the Jewish leaders loved that, he arrested Peter with the very same intention. But maybe you know the story. An angel uh, comes and walks Peter right out of the jail that night. And back into the the house where all his, you know, the the fellow believers were waiting for them. and, And the girl answers the door. And then she's so excited that she forgets and leaves Peter at the door. That story. And then when Herod wakes up in the morning, there's no Peter. So he kills the guards. So how does the church respond to that? How does the church respond to now the fact that Herod, just for giggles, is beheading Christians? And was about to do the same to Peter. This is what our text begins. It says, but the word of God continued to increase and spread now that could only happen if god is making that happen so in acts chapter 11 and we we had that read earlier that's kind of the back story of our text today in acts 11 what we kind of see happening is there, there's guys from cyprus and cyrene interestingly who travel into Antioch start sharing the gospel there and now what we see is the church's center of operations begins moving from Jerusalem up to Antioch so Jerusalem from where Was the center where the, the temple was where Jesus was crucified? Jerusalem's down here in the bottom that had been where this I was doing work now if you follow up to Antioch north of Jerusalem uh, north of Israel that is where now the center of the church becomes because some people from Cyprus originally, Barnabas is one of them, had gone and started sharing the gospel in Antioch. And now we're going to have this whole conglomeration of different, different kind of people from all over the world collecting in Antioch, and that's where the ministry center of the church now kind of moves. There's, there's this transition up into Antioch. And, so, and they're even collecting an offering there and sending it down to Jerusalem. Kind of sounds like what we do when we send it back to um, Milwaukee. But they send then offering down Jerusalem with Saul and Barnabas, and now Saul and Barnabas returned to Antioch, and now you have our text. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who's going to later become Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia. See, that's on the coast. little town right there on the coast. Went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Cyprus is that island, the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Went down to Seleucia, sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, which is a city in Cyprus, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. So as Barnabas and Saul head out on their first missionary journey, the very, place, the very first place they sailed to is Cyprus. Now it might be because It was so close that on on a clear day you could actually see Cyprus from the shore, from Seleucia. It might also be because we hear there are many synagogues in Cyprus, so that meant there were a lot of Jews there, so it might have been the natural place for them to start. But it might also be because that is where Barnabas grew up. He's going back to his hometown. He, He knows people there. He has family there. And so ever since the time that Andrew went and got his brother Simon and brought him to Jesus, family connections have been where people begin sharing the gospel. And the same thing is true at Cross of Life. I think of, I think of Marguerite way back. And how Marguerite and her family got connected with Deanna's family and Denise and Roberto's family and how the Word of God just moved and changed lives in there and and spread in mission efforts that were going around in this general vicinity long before I was here. I think of Andrea and son Matthew who walked in here to a uh, kids event one day and then eventually started coming to church and then brought her whole family and from there brought Marlene and Marlene's whole family, and then other sisters, and other cousins, and other relatives, and have often occupied that entire section of Cross of Life. I think of the Coopers, who joined um, after a soccer camp a few years ago, and then not long after um, brought Catherine's parents, and then brought Catherine's sister and her family, and then brought Catherine's grandma. And we could probably keep telling stories of how families have shared the gospel with family. So share the gospel with your families. Bring them in. Start there. That's a great place to start, and I think maybe that's one thing we can learn about maybe how, why they started the missionary journey by going to Cyprus. Now let's take a look at that church in Antioch. You have your text there. It's very interesting just what we can learn in these few verses. They are a church that has been shaped by and is being fueled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus has come and has taken all of our sins on him and, and died to pay for them and, and rose again to assure us that we are forgiven and that we are holy and blameless before God. That gospel message. And here are the reasons that we can see that that gospel message, that this gospel message of Jesus is what was fueling this church at Antioch and what was shaping them and, and the way they had come about and now what they were doing. Here are the reasons. First of all, look who's working together. Look who is working together. The very fact that Saul and Barnabas were ever friends who worked together for the cause of Christ is a testimony to the grace of Jesus. In, in chapter 4, we heard that Barnabas, um, we heard that Barnabas' actual name was Joseph. But the apostles renamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because he was such an encourager. Have you ever been around people like that? They, they are always just speaking life into you. They, they are just people who lift you up who encourage you that was barnabas that was barnabas and not only had his temperament been changed by the gospel of jesus but his his hold on his wealth and what god had given him had been completely loosened up by the gospel as well he sold a piece of property brought all the proceeds from it and gave it to the church so barnabas was was a Generous man and encouraging, loving man because of the way the Lord had been loving him. And then you have Saul. He had been going around uh, persecuting, uh, arresting, and murdering Christians. So Barnabas had been using his wealth and his life and his mouth to build up the church. Saul had been using his, his wealth and his energy and his life to destroy the church. Barnabas most likely knew some of the people whose front doors Saul kicked in, dragged out on the street, arrested and killed. But even if, even if Saul never did anything personally or directly to Barnabas, how do we feel about the people who hurt the ones we love? We don't like them. We don't like them. So how in the world could Saul and Barnabas ever have partnered with one another for the building up of the church because the gospel reconciles people who could never be reconciled the gospel of jesus christ reconciles people who could never be reconciled in any other way have you found that to be true have you seen that the gospel can do things between people that nothing else can it's true because that's how god reconciled the world to himself Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul had been so changed by the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus so so changed Barnabas and Saul that these two began to partner with one another for the, the building up of the church, the spreading of the word. And getting into some pretty difficult scenarios in which they were willing to die for the gospel together. The gospel reconciles people. And Antioch, the church in Antioch is proof of that, as their two main leaders, their two main teachers, were at one time enemies. Then we have, the next name along there we have is Manian. Now, he was a light, the, 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 the term there, actually, he was a lifelong friend, a foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch, Herod Antipas. He was brought up with Herod. Even Josephus records this. There's another historian who records that Herod was brought up with this other guy, this foster brother. His name is right here in the Scriptures. It's Menean. Now, do you know anything about Herod's dysfunctional family? Okay? Do you know what kind of a house Menean must have grew up in? Herod, Herod's dad was the one killing babies in Bethlehem. This Herod's dad was the one who killed his own wife, and some of his sons, so some of this Herod's brothers, just because he's paranoid. How you'd like to grow up in that home? This Herod was the one who married his brother's wife. So, family reunions, awkward. <laughs> this Herod is the one who got uh, he and his family got drinking one night, celebrating his birthday. When his stepdaughter came in, did a striptease for him that so thrilled him that he offered her up to half his kingdom. She doesn't, she doesn't ask for half the kingdom. She doesn't ask for money. She doesn't even ask for a nice pony that maybe most girls would. This stripper daughter of his asked for him to cut off the head of John the Baptist, and he does. This is a dysfunctional family. This is the Herod who, for fun, tried making Jesus perform on the day he was going to be crucified. This is the same Herod who just beheaded James and was about to do the same with Peter. Okay, this, this guy named Menean grew up in the house with this, Herod. They were foster brothers. They turned out differently, though, didn't they? By God's grace, Menean became a leader at the church in Antioch. Now, once again, this is a testimony to the power of the gospel to overcome our pasts. You've been there, haven't you? How could God ever love me? How could God ever forgive me? Um, how could I ever be one of those church people, one of those people who, um, who gets blessed by God, who has this or that to look forward to? I how, how could not, I've, not where I've gone. Too many people think they have gone too far, that they have committed too many stake, m- mistakes for God ever to be able to forgive them or to save them. Look how awful I've been. Friends, it's not about how it's not how awful you are, it's how awesome he is. You can't outsin God's grace. And Mannean's presence in Antioch shows us the power of the gospel. It shows us the absolute power of the gospel to change lives no matter where you grow up. Look look at the leaders in this church in Antioch. Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's a Hellenistic Jew. Simeon is called Niger, which if you know any Latin means black, so most likely Simeon is a black man. Now was he the same Simon of Cyrene, Africa, who carried Jesus' cross? Some scholars think maybe he was. Lucius was from Cyprus, so he is African. Menean is a Palestinian Greek Herodian, and Saul of Tarsus is a Hebraic Jew who also happened to be a citizen of Rome. So it really sounds like the making of a reality TV show, doesn't it? You take a bunch of people who could not possibly get along together, and you put them into one house. These men would have been raised from birth to despise the other men on this list, to think that they were superior, to feel superior to them, um, to think that they were more intelligent, more important, more valuable than the men on these lists. But the gospel showed up and changed all that. It tore down the wall of hostility. It broke through the walls of cultural separation and made, created a new body of people. Friends, we were once all separate, but Jesus has made us one. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, black or white. We are all one in Christ. And nothing else in this world could possibly do that except the gospel of Jesus. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the great blessings of Cross of Life. How God has taken such a diverse group of people and made us one. I, I, I couldn't be more honest, more humble. I, I, there, as the church planner, there is no possible way I could have designed, planned, or even dreamed or imagined this, what God would do here, how God could bring these kind of people together. Out of the 136 people we have here, there are people from 17 different nations. Yeah, I counted. And that doesn't happen without the gospel. Second, the, the, the next thing we, we see that shows us that the gospel was impacting this church at Antioch is that they were serious about listening to God. They were serious about listening to God. How do we know that? We know that because they were, they were together, they were gathered together, they were worshiping, they were fasting, they were being in the word, and the Holy Spirit says to them, send Saul and Barnabas out on a missionary journey. And they do. So if the Holy Spirit was telling them to do that, They must have been in the Word. If you want to hear from the Lord, you need to be in His Word because that's where He speaks with us. Friends, I want us always to be a church that is in the Word. I think it's very obvious that they were in the Word as we see the results in their congregation. And the third thing that we can see about how the gospel was impacting the church at Antioch is that they see the big picture. They are willing to let go of dear friends. Saul and Barnabas had had, had spent the last two years there pouring into these men. Training them, evangelizing, building up the church. No doubt, dearly loved. Dearly loved. And then the Holy Spirit said, send them somewhere else. And they do. Now that's amazing because it's very easy to get attached to the person, the instrument that God brings us the gospel through. I mean, just think how hard it is to say goodbye to the interns that come through here each year, right? Who spend one year with us. Think how hard that is. How wonderful it is to have a few of them back today. It must have been hard for them to send off Saul and Barnabas. Okay, but, th- but they, didn't, they, didn't, uh, they didn't panic. They didn't, they didn't say, hey, what about us? They, they send them out. Friends, I want us to be that kind of church. I want us to be a church that sees the big picture. God's kingdom work, not just in Mississauga, but around Toronto, across Canada, around the world. A a church that is planting new churches, raising up new people, loving the Lord instead of just loving the person that the Lord serves us with. So in a smaller way, here's how that might just look a little bit to help you out so so i'm serving on the the mission board and uh occasionally go and speak at at schools of outreach or some evangelism conferences or these are those kind of things and that means i'm traveling and i'm gone and i have some other responsibilities outside of cross of life so that means that we we step up we grow into we take ownership of ministry that is happening here and we fill in kevin He is also serving the Synod at large as on youth discipleship. So that means that he has some other responsibilities. And he he, he travels and is gone from time to time. That means that other people need to fill in, to step in, to help out, to get involved, to take ownership. Dawn, who is not a called worker here. Uh, That might be surprising to people, but does not receive a salary, is a volunteer like everyone else. But Dawn, who is now shifting her focus uh, a little bit, a lot more, to... Women's ministry for the Synod at large, which means she will have less time and energy to focus on women's ministry just right here, or our music, worship, or the other things, various things. That means that other people are stepping in, filling up, that we're raising up new leaders and new people to do these things so we can send these people out. Maybe in a little bit bigger than way than that, we've already mentioned it, but we have the interns who come in here. Now we know they're gonna leave at year's end, but we bring A guy in here we train him up for a year we give him experiences we give him opportunities Uh, he learns he grows and then off he goes to bless someone else with it and we rejoice as we see his gospel message blessing other people but even in a bigger way I think it means saying goodbye to someone like Desiree who one of our interns had to go off and marry and take away from us and that is why we did not invite him here today We miss having Desiree here. Imagine what a blessing it would be to have her continuing to serve among us, right? What a blessing she is. But how awesome it is, her, Peter, and their new family, what they're doing for God out in Minnesota, how awesome it is to see that. Um, Saying goodbye to Jennifer, who is now teaching uh, down in Florida. It hurts not having Jen here. Love having Jen here. We miss her involvement and, and the energy and the attitude she brings to our congregation. But how awesome it is seeing how she is touching other people's lives with the gospel with what she has learned here will and Jess, you know sometimes they come back sometimes god blesses us back with them and now jonah going out who's gonna be the next kid that follows him to prep let me tell you it hurts not having him at home it hurts not having him at church where he could also be active like our other teens active here serving the lord here But this is part of us seeing the big picture. That Cross of Life is not the only church, but that we are part of this massive movement of the gospel that began when Jesus sent people out to the ends of the earth. And we need to see that big picture. We are dedicating our ministry center today. Praise God. What an awesome thing. But are we going to continue being a church that is planting new churches and that is sending out the people that we train here? Or are we going to nestle into our ministry center and mow the lawn? What what if the ministry center and, and what God has done for us up to this point isn't the big thing at all? What if this all isn't the wow at all? What if the real wow is coming 50 years from now or 100 years from now. God help the ones who are going to have to organize that celebration. <laughs> but we need to see the big picture. One thing I'm certain of, you know, can, can we go to 30,000 and see the big picture? It's, it's hard to do, isn't it? But one thing I am certain of, and that is that the Lord is up to something much bigger, than what we can see here. This, everything today that we celebrate, this is just the beginning of something big. But it's hard to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on that, isn't it? And that is why we are doing this series on the book of Acts. I want to help us keep our eyes there. I want us to see the big picture. I think that's what God is doing by including the book of Acts in his scriptures. I think he wants to help us see the big picture. For the last 2,000 years, some very faithful men and women have been laying aside their personal comfort and their safety so that the world would know and believe in the forgiveness that Jesus has made available to all of us. And friends, because they have been doing that, that is why you are here today. That is how you have come to know that Jesus is your Savior. That he died and rose again for you to assure you that everything is right between you and God. So I don't think they did all that so that it would stop with us. No, they did it so that gospel would come to us and through us to the world. So friends by God's grace and with his help. Let's see the big picture. Amen. Amen. The peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.